Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman here, starting off the week with a little solo pod that is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. So I think as time has gone by, I've probably become more comfortable doing these solo pods and Maybe I even enjoy them a little bit. I can't speak for you guys. Maybe you guys get sick of listening to me and listening to my voice for the entire 25, 30 minutes here. But it does give me an opportunity to allow you guys to tell me what you want me to talk about on the show. So that's certainly an aspect that I like. And I sent out a a late SOS on Twitter for you guys to send me through some questions. So we're going to go through a variety of topics uh, tonight, but just some housekeeping to get things started, as is always the case when I go solo. The Bucks. Very strange. I mean, I woke up this morning. I was thinking to myself, well, the Bucks had a night off, so they must be ready to roll here. Two days off. It feels very, very strange considering that the Bucks have got five games in the last seven days. Just a very strange schedule quirk there, but we've got used to all sorts of weird things happening this season. But they're going to play the Spurs, which is great news if you are a basketball fan because it means that not only you get to watch the Milwaukee Bucks, but you get to watch the great man. Paddy Mills play basketball. And this game, I tell you what, this game is going to be a little bit tricky for the Bucks. And I say that not only you're on the road, but you're playing the San Antonio team who's going to be pretty damn desperate to pick up a win here. They are just one game ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans who upset the Charlotte Hornets last night. So the Pelicans really knocking on the door of the play-in tournament. So the Spurs are going to be going all out in this one. As far as the injury report goes, uh, you know, I've, I've had some questions. What do I think the Bucks are going to do down the stretch in terms of the lineups? And I'm not 100% sure. They have a couple of back-to-backs. But of course, the Bucks find themselves in a battle of their own for the standings. And as I record this show, the Denver Nuggets did Milwaukee no favors. So Milwaukee beat the Rockets over the weekend in a game that I am very desperately not going to revisit. But the Bucks moved up to second. Then the Nuggets failed to beat the Nets. So then Brooklyn moved back up to second. So if Milwaukee beat the Spurs, they'll go back to second again. But that's the kind of race we're in right now. And again, as we've spoke about, that could prove critical if you get the expected second round series against Brooklyn there and home court. So that's something to watch. But as far as the injury report goes for Milwaukee, just Axel Tupan, the only player on the injury report, he has an oblique muscle strain while for... San Antonio, there's Trey Lyles, who's out with a right ankle sprain, and then Derek White with a right ankle sprain. And there was a little bit of injury news over the weekend, or not injury news, I should say, roster news, with reports coming out, uh, Shams Sharania. There was a few reports before this, but Shams tweeted over the weekend that the Bucks were planning to waive uh, Rodion's Kuruks, and they're going to sign Elijah Bryant. So one of the questions I got was uh, came through 
from, uh, let me find this one. Where is this? Uh, Jason Mack on Twitter. He said, tell me about Elijah Bryant. I don't have much to tell you other than the fact that I do remember him playing for the Milwaukee Summer League team going back a couple of years ago. He's 26 years old, so he's not all that young. Pretty solid size, 6'4". He's over 200 pounds, so a solid size guard. There's no doubt about that. Uh, long story short, I don't expect him to play anyway. Uh, I think we only mentioned Radion's Kuruks once or twice in this podcast. I don't think we're going to mention him again. Didn't really play. We didn't expect that he was going to play. I think there was um, some hopes for certain reasons that he would not be with the team as long as he was anyway, but uh, he's looks like he's going to be on the way out. I haven't got an official email through from the team yet, so it's not officially official, but perhaps... By the time you're reading or listening to this podcast, it will be. So Elijah Bryant comes in. He's been spending uh, his time playing over in Israel. So I don't know. Maybe have we got any Israeli listeners to this podcast or anyone that follows the Israeli league? I'd be curious to hear uh, your thoughts on Elijah Bryant. He did average 9.8 points and three rebounds in the Euro League this year. And then in the Israeli league, he averaged 13.6 points, 3.8 rebounds and shot 42% from three as well. So the numbers look pretty good, uh, but I don't have much to add. I can't tell you, I can't sit here and lie to you guys and tell you that I've been taking note of the Israeli league because I just haven't. But nonetheless, it's worth noting, even at this late stage in the season when the Bucks do make a roster move. So that's it there. Kurik's out. Bryant looks like he is coming in. And uh, I, I think the only smart thing for Bucks fans to do uh, is that all those... I can imagine thousands and thousands of Bucks fans that brought Johnny O'Brien jerseys. I think the Bucks would do the right thing and make Elijah Bryant number 88. So then all those Johnny O'Brien fans can just simply remove the O and then you have an Elijah Bryant jersey. I think that's the way the Bucks need to go. That's what I would be doing if I was the Milwaukee Bucks. Anyway, let's look after the fans here, okay? It's been a tough year. Um... Before I move on to the questions, I did just want to reference the reports last year, uh, last week about Mike Budenholzer. Uh, there was a report that came out from The Athletic, again, Shams and uh, Sam Amick, I think it was. And it's kind of interesting because anytime I certainly see any headline that seems that it's going to have information about the future of Mike Budenholzer, I'm clearly going to click on it. And then I clicked on the story and it's not to knock the reporting at all, but I read it. And there was literally nothing that felt groundbreaking or news to me anyway. Basically, if the Bucks flame out in the playoffs, Mike Budenholzer is probably going to be out. Now, you guys, if you listen to this podcast regularly, I went by my standards. I'm normally pretty positive, pretty happy. I went on a bit of a rant about Mike Budenholzer and I think you know, the fan reaction this year and just went through a few different things that I believe he's done this year, which he deserves a, a fair amount of credit for. Uh, but the whole time throughout, if you go back and listen to the podcast from the Miami series last year to the offseason, right through this season, the one thing that me and Frank have been pretty consistent with and Justin when he's been on the podcast is that you can give Bud credit for the things that he's changed this year. But ultimately, what happens in the postseason is where he's going to be judged and where this team is going to be judged. So to me, to, to read a report that if the Bucks lose in the first round or they lose in the second round, Bud's probably going to be gone. It's not a shocker for me. In fact, that's what I've expected literally since the end of the series against Miami last year. So yeah, just, just for me, no big surprise there. Maybe that was a report that some fans were happy about if, if you want Bud out, but 
I would counter that saying that I'm pretty sure all fans are hoping that Bud is still coaching next year because it means that the Bucks have probably gone to the NBA Finals or potentially won a title. So uh, put me still firmly in the camp of hoping that Bud is the coach next year because it generally uh, is probably going to mean that we've had a pretty fun postseason run. So that's, that's certainly what I'm hoping for. But perhaps uh, that will be the silver line for some of you that do want him out. But again, to me, you've heard my opinions. I think he's done a fantastic job this year. I think he deserves credit. Again, ultimately, this team and Bud is going to be judged in the postseason. So we'll see what comes of that. I'm going to jump into the questions in just a little bit here. But before I do, I want to talk about Indeed a little bit here. Now, if you are hiring for your company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. If you're hiring, you simply need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to update your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So I saw something on Twitter today that made me laugh, uh, made me Maybe pretty happy, actually. Uh, I'll say that. There was a tweet from my boss here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, David Locke, that suggested with a some type of stats, I don't know what it was, but this was back in November, that the Bucks had actually suffered offensively losing Eric Bledsoe and George Hill and gaining Drew Holiday. Now, I, I don't know what the metric was, I didn't bother looking into it too much. But I was torn because, first of all, my boss was getting ripped left, right, and center for what I think we can all agree was a, a terrible uh, tweet at the time and didn't really make sense. And if you'd watched this Milwaukee Bucks team and watched Eric Bledsoe and watched what had happened in the offseason and thought that Drew Holiday somehow was going to make this offense worse, then I think you would have laughed. But now, obviously, from what we've seen through the regular season, and I will say through the regular season so far, he could potentially have the last laugh. I think that the tweet has aged particularly poorly. But the thing that I did like about it, finally, Bucks Twitter, look at you guys, everyone together, all in the same boat, ripping the one tweet because we all love Drew Holiday. So I just wanted to mention that. It was a nice way to wake up this morning. I got a good laugh out of it, first of all. And then secondly, everyone coming together. I thought it was fantastic. So an unfortunate tweet there. But again, um, you know, he, he might sit there and say, I could have the last laugh here. We'll see what happens. Uh, but good stuff by all you guys out there. And one other note from tonight's basketball, Luka Doncic. Uh, I got ripped for a tweet after the Dallas game where I, I tweeted that Luka Doncic was complaining too much when he plays basketball, which uh, let's be honest, He's admitted himself that he does. He's got 15 technicals. He's one away from a 16th and a suspended game with the Mavericks right in the mix of trying to stay out of the play-in tournament. So that would be significant. He complains too much. It's just a fact. 
It's tough to watch. I know players do it right across the league, but Doncic is particularly frustrating to watch. Tonight, he swung a fist, an arm, whatever you want to call it, and caught Colin Sexton right in the Wallabies. Below the belt. He got a flagrant two. He was kicked out of the game. And as per usual, he looked absolutely stunned, shocked. He's never seen anything more crazy in his life that he could be ejected from the game. And Luca, I'm fairly confident you don't listen to this podcast, but if you are, if that truly shocks you that you got kicked out of the game, I suggest that you let someone, and I would say it would be fair enough to say it would be Colin Sexton, let Colin Sexton swing his fist at your wallabies and see how you feel and see if that then is an incident that you think you should be kicked out of a game. So come on, Luca. Great player, sensational player, potentially a generational player. Let's give him credit. But my goodness, he's tough to watch at times. So let's get into it. Chico Six Toes on Twitter, in capital letters by you, so very excited here. Thanasis Supermax extension, when is he eligible? Now, I'm not going to get into a Supermax for Thanasis. That's obviously a little bit over the top, and, and clearly you're not being serious there. But I will say this with Thanasis. And I've been criticized before for apparently not being as complimentary as I should about Thanasis. I deny all those claims. I will continue to deny those claims. But Thanasis, when he first signed, if you're a diehard Thanasis supporter, you're going to disagree with me. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. But when Thanasis signed this contract, he hadn't been in the league for a number of years. He couldn't stick in the league when he was here. He was at an advanced age anyway. So just purely for the Bucks, and if they wanted to try a young guy with potentially more upside, there was many more players they could have signed outside of Thanasis. But I think that it did make sense to sign the brother of Giannis for multiple reasons. I think Giannis certainly would have appreciated giving his brother the opportunity. Not only that, he absolutely would have appreciated the opportunity and has said he does appreciate the opportunity to spend time around Thanasis. But it did still feel like it was a little bit gimmicky. But let's give credit where credit's due for Thanasis this year. I've been saying all year that he's not going to be in the playoff rotation unless something goes wrong injury-wise. And I think I've been proven right. He's not. He might play a few spot minutes here or there. Maybe there's a game where things are going really wrong and you want to throw him out there and see if he can spark something. He certainly might come out there for the last possession of a quarter or the last possession of a half. We've seen it before. You might want to protect foul situations for other players. You might just want someone to go out there and annoy someone. And let's be honest, the one thing that you can rely on with Thanasis night in, night out is that he can be on the bench for all night for however long you want him out there, but he's going to be ready 100% of the time. And you know, for a role player, that is a critical element of what makes you a guy that should be on an NBA roster if you're always ready. And he is always ready. His attitude is absolutely fantastic. And the way that he supports his teammates, the way he's happy for other people's success, he deserves a lot of credit. And more than anything, he looks to me like a player that has improved. When we've seen him have his opportunities, again, you have to give him credit. He's gotten better at finishing at the basket. He's got a little bit more control about him. And genuinely through the season, there's been nights where he's been a a real factor, a real factor on the floor. And we've seen him have a couple of 20-point nights as well. So I know... I know this question is a little bit of a joke, but hey, I'm at the point where so keep him around. Keep, keep the Nassus around for another few years here. I, I don't see why you wouldn't. It's going to be cheap. He's going to be a guy that is going to be a, a good presence in the locker room. He's going to give you minutes through the regular season on nights when you, when you really need it, when you need that energy. So to me, 
I, I wouldn't have thought that I would have been here perhaps a year or so ago, but uh, I'm, I'm on board. Bring him back next year because uh, I, think that, uh, I think he's been a really good influence around the team. That's, that's from the outside this year. I'm a long way away. I'm not as close as I was in, in previous years, but I think you know, from afar, it looks like he's been a fantastic influence. Uh, next question comes from Drew. He says, if the Bucks make the finals, will you try and make it to a game? <laughs> I would love to. I would absolutely love to get back to Milwaukee. I miss being in Milwaukee. There's no doubt about that. Um, particularly with some of these games where it's really starting to matter. Like those, that game against Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, the two games against the Nets last week in Milwaukee. And it really, more than anything, when I see those national broadcasts and they show Milwaukee, and I, that's when I really miss it. Particularly now, you guys are coming into some good weather. The, the brunt of winter is gone. So I would love to be there. But it's just literally not possible right now because... If I come to Milwaukee, I'm essentially going to be stuck there uh, with the way things are. You can't get back to Australia. Um, they won't let you in. And then you have to pay for two weeks of, of hotel quarantine as well. That's even if you're lucky enough to get a flight and pay the thousands of dollars. So unfortunately, as much as I would like to, and it would almost feel fitting for, for me watching the Bucks the last 20 years, that this of all years would be the year that they make the finals after I'd been there the last couple. But no, I, I don't think, sadly... I'll be uh, making it back there, which is, it's certainly a shame. I would love uh, to be back. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we have another tweet here from, uh, I don't know how to say this. I think it's Wernher von Asimov. That's what I'm going with. You can tweet me if I've got that horribly wrong or, or however I've done here. Uh, but they say, which team would you least like to see come out of the West? And do you think home court advantage will hold in the absence of full stadia. So this is an interesting question. And I actually, it's funny. I've thought about this a little bit because from time to time, we like to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. And we say, okay, what happens if the Bucks make the finals? And so we've been getting a bit of enjoyment out of the fact that the Lakers are really struggling, right? I mean, the Lakers right now, as we record this, they just had a pretty impressive win against Phoenix, actually. But uh, they are in a seven seed still. They're still a game behind Portland to avoid the play-in. Which, of course, would be pretty damn disappointing. I mean, we talk about potential matchups for the Bucs, but imagine if you're the Utah Jazz or you're the Phoenix Suns. You've had this incredible regular season, unbelievably consistent play, star players emerging left, right, and center. In Phoenix's case, you haven't been in the postseason in 11 years, and your reward is playing LeBron James, presuming he is healthy, and Anthony Davis as well on the defending champions. That would absolutely suck. But honestly... The team that the Bucs don't want to see in the NBA Finals is the Utah Jazz. <laughs> they, they can't beat the Jazz. They can't win in Utah. They can't stop that team from shooting a million threes every single game. And I looked it up the other night because the Jazz have just been out of this world. But there's been 17 games this year where they've hit 20 plus threes. So I know that it always feels like the Jazz just go off on the Bucs and it's the Bucs defense. But they've been doing it to all teams. Now... Clearly, their three-point shooting could cool off in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. And if there's a bunch of fans that understand that things can change in the postseason after you've been pretty dominant in the regular season and won uh, and hold the league's best record, yeah, I think it's us. I think we get what could possibly happen here in the postseason. But the Utah Jazz, that's the answer. That is the one team the Bucs don't want to see come out of the West. Give us any other team except for the Utah Jazz. And what a shame it would be, honestly, think about it. And yeah, this could be disrespectful to Utah. I'm not 100% sure. But what a shame it would be if the Bucs made it to the NBA Finals, played the Utah Jazz, who are a team that you know, I'm guessing most people would think the Bucs would have a pretty good chance against, 
And then they just come out and get smoked because they just can't stop Utah in the perimeter. Oh my goodness. It would be an absolute disaster. So the answer is Utah. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, We have a bunch more questions to get to here before we do. I'm going to talk about betonline.ag, our fantastic sponsor of the podcast. They've been with us for quite a while. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. This week has tons of sports action on the go uh, with obviously baseball. There's hockey. The basketball is gearing up last week of the regular season and there's UFC and MMA action that you can catch up on as well. So before the next pitch, the next tip, the next puck drop, whatever the hell you call it in hockey, Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And I'm telling you, this podcast is making me hungry. You can already guess what I'm going to snack on. I'm going to snack on the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. That's Built Bar. There's nine delicious flavors available right now. So go over to BuiltBar.com because they're always changing. And that's the good thing about it. There's nine flavors up right now. It could change in the future. There could be some of your favorites that will come back. But right now, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, Whatever you like, they're all there. I feel like I'm talking in 1.5 times speed now. So for those of you that bump up the podcast, you can't understand a word that I'm saying. But most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 grams of calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. They're healthy for you. That's the best thing about it. Mother's Day's gone. I hope some of you took my advice and got your mum a box of Built Bars because I tell you, she would have been pretty pumped about that. But you can also get mixed boxes. So if, if you want to try out a few of the flavors, go online. You can do it. You can get two of each of the nine flavors and you'll be pumped up about that. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's roll through a few more of these questions. Nuclear Badger says, with a week gap between the end of the regular season and the Bucks' first playoff game, do you think the Bucks will rest starters in a game or two? Over, under, on times you get to mention Wallabies in connection to Doncic. Well, (laughs) I'm telling you, I've already mentioned the Wallabies with Doncic, so I'm glad that I hit that before I even got to this question. As far as the Bucks go, I mentioned it. Five games in seven days. It's an absolute joke. But the benefit they will have is that with the playing tournament, they will get a little bit of time up. So here we go. I'm looking at the schedule right now. So it starts with a back-to-back here in the next couple of days at San Antonio and at Orlando. So as far as the injury report suggests, the Bucs are going to go hard against the Spurs. When they're playing some of these poor teams, and the Orlando Magic in particular is a team right now that they don't really want to win games. There's not a great benefit for them to win games. They're a bad team. They're getting blown out now and really tailing away at the end of the regular season, as you would suspect. So I would hope 
that the Bucks take care of business against the Spurs and then potentially against Orlando, you can get away with maybe resting a Giannis. Maybe you rest a Chris. I'm not sure, depending on how these guys are feeling, but I do think that that's a situation where you could rest a couple of guys. Then they have a night off. They go to Indianapolis, and that team's been a rabble. Shout out to our old friend Greg Foster, assistant coach. Boy, was he angry on the bench the other day. It's been chaos in uh, Indiana again. I've spoken about coaches a lot, but Nate Bjorkren, remember, I've seen Bucks Twitter. A lot of people were angry on there. The Bucks didn't get Nate Bjorkren. Why? I don't know. You don't know anything about this guy. Some pretty bad reports coming out of India, uh, Indiana there. So we'll see. But they've got the paces. And then they have Miami and Chicago to wrap up the season there as well. So it's going to get uh, absolutely hectic uh, down the stretch here for the Bucs, there's no doubt. But certainly that Orlando game is one that stands out to me as you could potentially rest some players. And then the last game of the season against the Bulls, the Bulls will be playing for something. I think the Bucs by that point will have a clearer idea of where they stand when it comes to the standings. Keep in mind, again, you're going to have a week off. But I think that if it's a situation where the Bucs are secured, no one's going to play. I mean, you're just not going to risk that against the Bulls. So, look, I think it'll be interesting to watch. If they decide to play everyone in this back-to-back against Orlando, then you'll get the sense that, okay, they're really going hard for the two seed and they don't want to risk anything about potentially not getting that. So I think that that game is going to tell us a lot. Uh, Mark Ambrose says, potential Miami series still a cause for concern. I feel much better about it with Drew and slightly different Miami squad, but suppose still scares me. So... I think we spoke about this with Justin a little bit on Locker Room the other day, but I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I'm not really looking at the standings. It'll fall wherever it falls. The Bucks are probably going to get either Boston or Miami. That's what it feels like at this point, keeping in mind that we don't know what would happen with the seventh seed with the play-in. Anything could happen there, but I, I, I get the sense it's going to be Boston or Miami, and I just don't really care. If this Bucks team is serious, if this Bucks team is seriously going to contend for an NBA title, then you should be able to handle Miami and Boston. I'm sorry. I know they've been through a lot this year. There's been different injuries, health and safety protocol. All teams have done it. But those are teams that they should be beating. And I agree with the main point you make here, Mark. They've got Drew Holiday now. They've also got PJ Tucker now. I think this is a better team. If they lose to one of those teams, I mean, you're going to see some serious changes, okay? Because things have gone seriously, seriously wrong in a series against those teams. But I'm not losing any sleep over it. I'm not losing any sleep over it. If this team's fair income, they will beat those teams. So, yeah, to me, uh, yes, it's a challenging first-round series. It's certainly more challenging than what the Bucs have seen in the past, but bring it on. Who cares? Come on. I'm ready for playoff basketball. Uh, Jake says, who has the better tasting burgers, America or Australia? Now, uh, Daz has responded to that, who is a Wisconsin native, but living in Australia now. I interact with Daz a little bit on Twitter. Now, he says, dude, it's not even close. So (laughs) I don't know what he means by that. So I'm just going to give you my take, which could be seen as a little bit of a hot take. But when I see people going crazy for Culver's or crazy for Cops or crazy for Shake Shack, whatever it is, In-N-Out, Five Guys, whatever burger, all those stupid chains, I just don't get it. Those burgers are all fine. They all taste pretty similar, but they're not great. There's nothing great about them. I had Shake Shack all the time. I, I shouldn't say all the time, but every few weeks I would probably have Shake Shack because I'd be at Broken Bat, which if you guys listen to this podcast a lot, you'll know that I spend time at Broken Bat, drinking beers, watching sports, but they don't have food. 
So after I had a few beers, I'm like, all right, I better eat before this gets out of control. What's across the road? Shake Shack. Fine. I'm drinking beers. I'll have a Shake Shack burger. It was never great. It's just chain. It's just takeaway. You generally feel shit after you eat it. I mean, that's the rule. That's what all those places are like. Like you're never going to see me at McDonald's eating a burger. That's for damn sure. The best burgers are the local places where it's not a chain, where it's not mass produced and you can go and you get some good ingredients. Everything's fresh. The bread's better. Everything's nice about it. So there's a bunch of places here in Australia that I like. There was also a bunch of places in Milwaukee that, that I liked as well. But uh, I, I'm just anti-chain. I'm anti-takeaway chain. I don't need a lot of it. It's obviously not good for you. But that's my take. And I know that there is Culver's diehard fans. There is Cops diehard fans. I've told this story before, but Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN, when he came to town for the postseason, I told him that I'd never tried Cops. He just about fainted. He nearly fell over. Cops is his, one of his favorite foods. Every time he comes to Milwaukee, he goes to Cops. Now, admittedly, I think that's for the custard more than it is the burgers. But nonetheless, I went the next day and I had to feign excitement to him. I said, oh, I was great. Loved it. Inside, I thought it was completely average. So that's my take. Hopefully, I don't lose too many uh, listeners after coming up with that as well. Uh, one last question we have here before we wrap it up. It comes from Ron in the key on Twitter. What are the defensive matchups if they face the Nets and all the Nets are healthy? So this is a, another pretty popular question that I, I think we've gone back and forth on a little bit because it, it's just looming so large. And these games against Brooklyn last week, again, I, very impressed with the Bucks. I thought they were fantastic. Super encouraged by their ability to come back in the fourth quarter from behind in both games and win and and execute. You know, it wasn't perfect, but to get the, the job done against a really good team. But we all know that James Harden wasn't there and we all know that that's a significant loss. And if he's there, it's going to present serious, serious challenges. And in fact, if they are all healthy and they're all there, I would still pick the Nets to win the NBA title. I would. But I think that the Bucs at least have a chance because of their ability to score but also because of the defensive versatility they have. So to me, it all starts with James Harden. James Harden unlocks the passing game of the Nets. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving scare me as guys that can get really hot to the point where in isolation, they're almost impossible to stop scoring. But James Harden can not only do that, but he he lives at the free throw line, but he also brings everyone else in. And it's really, really, really hard not to help when he drives into the paint. Now, we've seen the Bucs have issues with that all season long. So to me... And, and the other big thing that he does is he's going to engage Claxton and DeAndre Jordan if they're on the floor as lob threats. So that's also significant. So to me, Drew Holiday has to go to James Harden. He just has to. You have to do whatever you can to limit the damage with James Harden. And if we go back in time and we think about the job that Eric Bledsoe did against Houston, he always did a fantastic job of slowing him down. Now, he's still going to get 25 points. He's still going to get 30 points but you have to make it an inefficient 25 to 30 and you have to do your damn best to ensure he doesn't get 15 free throws in that game. So I've got Drew Holiday on James Harden, which leaves you know, a potentially scary matchup on the perimeter with Kyrie Irving. And depending on what the lineups are, you know, it might be a Dante. You know? and, and, and this is where the, the challenge is presented as far as trying to defend this Brooklyn team. It's going to be really hard to find a guy that's going to be able to keep up with the third guy because obviously Kevin Durant is the threat. I still believe that Chris Middleton is the best defender of Kevin Durant on the Bucks. 
In one isolation possession, you can maybe say Giannis for sure, but I have serious concerns about putting Giannis on Kevin Durant across the whole game and what that does to the team if he gets in foul trouble. And you know, there's a significant chance that he will because Durant is so damn good and tough to defend and crafty and long and all those types of things. So I, I am trying to keep Giannis off Durant if possible. I know some people will disagree with that. I would have Chris Milton on Kevin Durant. And then depending on the lineups, if DeAndre Jordan is in, you've got Brooke Lopez who can protect the paint. Remember, he had five blocks in one of those games against the Nets last week. And I thought that he was really, really influential. If you go small, you've got PJ Tucker out there. And that's when the Bucs can really unlock their switching. If Giannis switches on to Durant, fine. If PJ Tucker switches on to Durant, fine. That's, you feel comfortable with the mix you have there. But I think, again, it all starts with James Harden. To me, Drew has to play on James Harden. And then depending on, again, what the lineups the Nets are running with, I think you feel pretty good about the guys that you can switch. As good as you can against a team that's uh, as elite as the Nets. But make sure you hit me up on Twitter. Uh, when I tweet this show, you'll be able to reply in the comments with anything that I've said tonight, but in particular about the Nets, because it is something we have an eye on, keeping in mind our question earlier about a difficult potential first-round matchup the Bucs are going to have as well. It's so close. I can't believe how close the playoffs are, but it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here. I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, I've got one last question. I'll go to Mitchell Ace. He says, are you worried about Chris at all in the playoffs? His numbers are okay, but I feel like when he's off, he's really off, and we can't have that against the Nets. I think so. I mean, in terms of your point of if he's really off, I mean, sure, but that's the same as every other team. You know, the thing that shocks me is I, I always see these nights from Jason Tatum, for example, with the Celtics, where he's two for 15, three for 14, three for 17. It feels like it happens all the time, and he's a pretty inefficient scorer, Jason Tatum, but you don't really ever see the same criticism for him. You only ever see the plaudits. And again, you know, Chris Milton has become... <laughs> Pretty easy to bash, I think, for Bucks fans. And again, I always say it. I think it's a bit of a shame for how well that he's played that it doesn't seem that he gets the credit. He's had some big playoff moments. I'm not worried about him. No, no. I'm not worried about Chris. We'll see. I would suspect that he's going to have an off night or two in the postseason. I mean, he's a shooter. Sometimes he can be streaky. But overall, I think that Chris has got enough really good play in the bank that, no, I'm not going into the postseason thinking he's going to be a liability. That's not something that I'm worried about at all. Um, I think we've seen him generally this year play pretty well in big games, big in the fourth quarter against the Nets in the second game, big overall in the first game, fantastic against Brooklyn earlier in the season as well. He's just a really good player. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, Chris coming into this one. But as I said, Bucks and Spurs, 7.30 p.m. It's a good way to get the week started. Enjoy your experience watching Patty Mills. And of course, I'll be back after the game.